The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Guns up, giddy up. Welcome to Friday Breakdown. It's the Better Stop channel. We do five shows a week here on this channel. Something different with uh, almost six different hosts every day. Something for the first responder family today is our flagship breakdown show. And it's brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack and stamps.com promo code Wolfpack. So uh, support those who support us by uh, supporting our sponsors and we really appreciate that listen if you want to support the show you can do that a number of ways but first and foremost if you're watching the live youtube chat today on um, which there's a good number of you uh doing that please hit that like and subscribe button and uh if you're just listening which 99.9 percent of our followership does uh give us a five-star rating and review if you would uh, on the old iTunes, Spotify, wherever you download your podcast. Uh, if you want to be a paid member on YouTube, that's always great. But let me tell you this really quick. We started the Patreon about two weeks ago already. Just to let you guys know where that money goes already. Just the one, just we haven't even had Patreon for two weeks. And that has paid for two new tripods with wheels, a brand new camera, um, several different mic, two different microphones uh, for Andrea and for um, that. We're also building another set at another studio and we were able to work on Andrea's internet. So the production level is going to just go up even higher in May. Um, and that is all thank you to our paid YouTube and Patreon members alone. That's not even ads. So that's the way these shows keep going and they stay free. And, and, and we're glad to be on Patreon where we can save some free stuff. Matter of fact, this week coming up on Patreon, I have a monologue that I'm releasing all about the C word and why we can't say that anymore. And that is in regards to Tucker Carlson. Uh, part of him being fired was because he called his boss the C word a while ago on a text message. But I find it funny that the same podcast that I heard C word from, uh, they say fuck shit, cock balls. They say it all, but they call it the C word. And so uh, that's really important to me. And so I'm going to do a whole thing on Patreon where I'm not going to say C word. I'm going to call it out and why we should or should not be able to say words in this country. So if you like that kind of extra content, you can follow us on Patreon. Um, real quick, we do have two types of things on Patreon. We have our uh, state troopers, which pay $3.99 a month. Uh, but if you want to go the extra mile to really support the show, you can pay $10 a month to become a real street cop. And we just came up with that not thinking anybody would ever do that. There's too many people that have done it, so I can't shout out everybody. But every week, I'm just going to shout out five of our street cops. Or if you want to, if you want to be low tier state trooper, great. But uh, I'm going to shout out our high-tier street cops. Uh, this week, we've got David J., Michelle Christian, Michael Earhart, Brian Travis, Mer530, and Kyle McKnight. Those are our street cop-level Patreon subscribers. Dudes, guys, listen, we couldn't do any of this without you, and we really appreciate it. Uh, I am joined always, every Friday, by the easy, the be beautiful, breezy, no, the easy, breezy, beautiful Drew Breezy, uh, host, main host of the Com Center and co-host here on Fridays. But he is uh, pretty much the brains behind the entire operation. I'm just a face. That's, uh, yeah, just a, a face of baby. I, I'm so happy and proud to be here today. This is going to be a great show. I already know that. We got a ton of stuff to get to. Uh, last night on Com Center, you missed a great show. Uh, the Power of Jesus uh, Interrupted the broadcast by knocking my power out right in the middle of the whole thing but uh we we 
picked right up where we left off and we had a great episode about uh, t- the Tamir Rice shooting uh, and the, the dispatch interaction with that. But today is Matthew Mistretta and his girlfriend, Brooke. I cannot wait to talk to this kid. He has been uh, blowing my phone up with great stories. He is a h- incredible human being, as is Brooke. Uh, and I just can't wait to get to know this kid or, 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 or introduce him to you, the Wolfpack. Uh, absolutely excited to hear it from him as well. I'm glad that he blew you away yes. with a whole bunch of text messages. Um, uh, as far as the news goes, we did have a firefighter incident that occurred. It's just gone viral. There's several different stories. Um, I'd like to in part say it's about time that the firefighters get to feel what it's like to be a cop in many different ways. One, getting to fight like a cop gets to fight, but also be chastised on social media. Um, real quick to break that down for us. I brought in our favorite correspondent firefighter, uh, a lieutenant from the Cincinnati, Ohio area firefighters group uh unions whatever you guys are a part of whatever you call your hose dragon selves but i've got jay kiefer from one more and i'm out of here podcast chief chief keef what's happening on social media with these crazy firefighters uh it's going it's going crazy um yesterday and actually dead legs and i were talking about it yesterday it's amazing and i get it i what you guys go through i'm gonna say i see it now i saw it before but i'm just patting Eric a little bit. I see it now because it's amazing how much changes in a 24-hour news cycle. Isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy that maybe the video camera doesn't always capture everything? It doesn't capture the totality of what's going on? At 30 seconds, 20 seconds of video, and then literally this morning, first thing I did, I looked at it, and you know, there's another two minutes of, you know, other fighting and uh, struggling and whatever, but, you know, the way I heard it first was that there was an auto accident. Police officer responded, and then vice um, or whoever—I don't know if it was the guy involved or whatever—started fighting with the cop. The firemen were there, and then they jumped in. That has since changed from what I've read so far. Um, well, let me stop you right there because what first came out, and and I had a great time posting about it, was that firefighters <laughs> were fighting their own. If you look at the video, it literally looks like two firefighters are fighting each other. That's exactly. And so I, I was super quick and excited, and and I jumped on the bandwagon. I've done what I've always preached against doing: do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> um, and I posted a very funny meme about firefighters fighting each other, and they weren't. They were never fighting each other. They were actually helping out a cop. And the story has changed dramatically. So the first story you heard was that there was a car accident and the cop was getting his ass kicked and then the uh, firefighters pulled over to help him. But that story has two cents changed. What is it now? Exactly. So it was a bus accident with and a dispatch. I just listened to the dispatch audio um, that somebody was trapped under the bus and there were two people passed out next to the bus. Now it's D.C., so that's very plausible for the two people passed out next to the bus. But uh, Hunter Biden was Hunter Biden, one of them. (laughs) There was no bathtub and a crack pipe. So, Um, but there was somebody they were rendering aid. The the firemen were rendering aid, and somebody, a passerby, or maybe one of the two passed out. I don't know yet. Literally punched one of one of the firemen in the face. Well, then, Mm. then the melee ensued, and and the video is not real good, so it's hard to tell how many firemen there were. It looked like five or six. But the video that I was watching just before we came on, which added like a whole nother minute and a half or two minutes, there's a ton of cops, looks like six cops wrestling with this guy. So they kick all the firemen out of the scene, you know, just push them away. They're pulling firemen off off this guy. They're beating the brakes off of him. And you see them just start to kind of move 
and they're trying to subdue him and there's like six cops around him. So I, I don't know if he was on something he had, you know, that, that superhuman strength. I have no clue. Obviously he was on something. People don't just uh, out of the blue punch a cop. Now, listen, is this every firefighter's dream? Is that like, uh, is that something you guys sleep on your ghost beds at night, dreaming them out? What, being a cop somebody? Yeah. Being a cop for a minute. Yeah. I mean, what, I'm I'm going to be very, very sexist and not intentionally, but what man doesn't want to get sure. an adrenaline rush and punch somebody yeah. every now and yeah. again? I, I mean, like I've, that's, I, that's I've done it in the back of an ambulance before. Somebody wants to get froggy and start to fight, and they catch an oxygen tank in the forehead. Oh. <laughs> that or escalated clip, quickly. Or a, clip, or a clipboard. Or, we're there to help. And that's Is there any I, punishments lined up for these guys, do you think? Um, I mean, right now they're on admin leave and dc's not saying whether it's paid or unpaid um were these firefighters white i could i couldn't tell the video was video terrible what's his race uh because that's going to play a big part in it it looked like it it actually looked like the i'm going to call him the suspect uh for Mm -hmm. lack of a better term sure it looked like he was a white guy if it's good again video is very grainy and hard to tell but the one that i saw on the ground at first and then Anytime you have first responders jumping on one person, if it's not going to be a white person, then it'll be a lot bigger. It'll oh, be, that's when you get the rights happen. Nobody really gives a shit if uh, any first responders beat the brakes off of any white guy, uh, yeah. as long as he's not trans of some sort, then you're <laughs> all good. It's not they're not going to burn the city down. So that's good. So, I mean, honestly, the mayor is probably like, thank you, God. Now they're Thank I know they're, they're firefighter union uh, an undisclosed DC representative fire EMS representative was pushing like these guys were you know complete and utter criminals and that's yet to be seen we don't know yet their union well, standing behind them saying there is more to this story just wait for it yeah and there I, always I was, is I yeah was absolutely. Say, uh, every dealing I've ever had with a fire department uh, coming uh, when it comes to a criminal matter or a firefighter because you're all individuals right but every every dealing I've had where I've worked. Um, the firefighter union is so fucking strong yeah. that you, you're, you're never going to penetrate that from a criminal standpoint. So I, I would tend to say the bus driver will be disciplined before any of the firefighters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, and the firefighters will always show up man. they get their little motorcycle groups and things like that. And they'll come yeah, by the somebody, courthouse and rev their engines and stuff. <laughs> there's somebody in the chats that's asking about your shirt, Chief Keefe. What's it saying? Because I can't say it. It says, are you part of the Wild Hogs, too? Warthogs. Warthogs. It's not Wild Hogs. Police and fire, by the way. Uh, That's awesome. Well, hey, Keith, we really appreciate it. We can't wait to break down this case. If you guys want to hear more from Chief Keith, you can follow him at One More and I'm Out of Here podcast. Uh, Right now, we're going to bring on Matthew Mastretta and his beautiful lawyer, Brooke Livingston. His beautiful uh, lawyer. Uh, She happens to be his girlfriend. Yeah, I got it. Uh, real quick before we get into this, this is going to be a very serious case. If you guys haven't listened to Matthew Mastretta breakdown from two Fridays ago, you should probably go and watch that. Um, uh, but two really quick before we dive into all this, let me address this. Uh, do we go back in time to 1984, Brooke? Are we are we living in 1984 with that set that you have behind you? You probably better off. Are you in a church basement? What the uh, the wood paneling there is straight from the future, 1979. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. It's, it's what we what got. What books do you have on that shelf? You look very learned. Those aren't leather-bound books, but what are they? What are those I books? I'm up here to try to distract from all the... Just give me the title of one book. 
God. Third one in. I'm not going to give you an opportunity. The third book in. What's it titled? Meditations. Oh, of course it's Meditations. All right, yeah. give me the next one. One more. Give me one more. Uh, What's the one Gino. next to it? Verbal Judo. Oh, damn. <laughs> this is good. This is gold. That is great. Beautiful set, guys. Beautiful set. Uh, Mistretto, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us today, man. Thanks for having me, man. Listen, this is, uh, I told you, it's an exciting moment. I, I like, I got to know Matthew just a little bit uh, over the past couple of weeks or so. Uh, I want to, I, I don't mean to inflame you, but let's just bring everybody up to speed to where you were. And I'm just going to put it in my words. You, you interjected, you feel the need. Um, this was way back in like August of 2020, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Matthew was on a call, or, or Matthew stopped a car. Uh, you know, far be it from uh, police doing police work. Hey, because we broke down this case, but we never got to see a lot of the details. Matthew, why did you pull that car over? What drew your attention to that car, and why did you pull it over? Are you allowed to talk about that? I am. That's uh, that's public information, and he also testified to it. He self-admittedly said he was driving 80 and a 25. Whoa. And you, were you like, where were you positioned in your car? Uh, I was actually outside talking to two other jurisdictions. I had a sheriff's department counterpart, uh, that was a canine handler. And then I also had a tribal officer and, uh, there was actually a set of twin brothers that were shooting at police cars, um, <laughs> that were wanted in the area and they were right down the street from what I could assume. And, uh, I was talking to these two other officers about uh, possibly trying to go interdict these two individuals because that's the last thing I want is to get shot from behind. So uh, as we're sitting there talking, he drives by 80 and a 25. He stated 80. Um, what caught my attention was not only the speed, but there was actually debris flying out of the back of his truck. <laughs> what kind of debris? Like just like uh, construction Car debris? Cardboard boxes, uh, large cardboard boxes, leaving. And nothing infuriates me more than a litter bug, um, especially one that's driving eighty and a twenty-five. Uh, so, so I mean, that's fair enough. When you pulled the car over, I mean, was it, you know, was it par for course? Did he try to evade you anyway, or? So the the unredacted nine one one recording, I actually put out over dispatch that I was initiating a traffic stop, slow to stop, and also. I believe I also said he was touching fog line three times, which led me to believe that he was intoxicated at the time. So, so slow uh, to stop just listeners. means like he wasn't like he didn't pull but, over right away. Right. Yeah. So we made a left-hand turn and it was approximately uh, less than a quarter mile, but longer than a 10th of a mile in between him making that left-hand turn. And I had had my, my emergency lights on since I had seen him, I immediately jumped back in my car and went to interdict him and uh so he had seen red and blues for at least half a mile and then wow. he made the left-hand turn and i followed uh suit with the left-hand turn as well and so then as he's slowing down he's actually not coming to a full and complete stop touches the white fog line touches the white fog line touches the white fog line yellow line full stop so not any time in your brain were you focused on like this be, I mean, just in your brain, were you just like, this is a drunk, like right away? I mean, I know for myself, like sometimes I get in this mode where when I pull a car over like that, like I've already predetermined in my brain what I have. Um, did you think that this was a murderer or anything or like was your brain just automatically like, ah, fuck, I got a DUI tonight? I was actually thinking that he was going to try to uh, keep going. I, oh, okay. I, I believe I said over dispatch, uh, he's slow to stop. So let's see what happens. 
Um, you could say that it was going to be a failure to stop. Uh, yeah, so he did fail to stop for a significant amount of time, and uh, I believed he was going to try to uh, end up in a pursuit. Okay. Did what were your observations when you walked up on uh, on him? What did, what did the driver appear to, to be to you? Um, it as soon as I so he had like a suicide cab door. So instead of two doors that open in the same direction, it's one that folds into the other. Um. Mm-hmm. And from as soon as I hit the B pillar of that car, uh, the window was down. Uh, he was visibly bleeding and um, no shirt on. And he's immediately yelling at me. Um, <clears throat> so I, I can immediately smell with his yelling uh, the odor of intoxicants. Uh, that, that was immediately produced. And I note that in my report. Um, so I knew I had something that was at least chargeable. For that incident but you know what really catches my attention is the massive amount of blood that was covered all over him um what kind of massive did, amount of blood are know. we talking here are we talking like carry level blood i mean like <laughs> paint that picture for us um so i mean the the human skull or excuse me the human scalp is like very visceral there's there's a lot of yeah. veins that go up there so if you take a laceration to the top of the head, you I mean, most police officers have seen, you know, somebody gets hit with a beer bottle, they're leaking all over the place. And he had probably a three inch laceration, if not bigger, to the top of his head. So is this like a like a produced... Nate, is this like is this like a Nate Diaz level? Or or is yeah. Nate Diaz? Yeah, I would like, say yeah. I would say that's Diaz, a, I would say it's comparable to Nate Diaz. I mean, he had blood from his head to his feet. Wow. Jeez, that is a significant amount of blood. What were you thinking when you saw the blood? Um, I thought he might have hit his head because the windshield was also splattered or splintered as well. I mean, that okay. was completely shattered. So I thought he had hit his head. And the passenger admitted that he had hit his head on the uh, the windshield, which caused the windshield to shatter. Now, was the passenger bleeding too? No, he was not at that time. And I So you not, just thought like I did like call, these two dudes are drunk and they got in a car wreck? Is that what you're thinking at this point? Uh essentially up until the information that my uh shift partner for the sheriff's department put out that he had had a uh gunshot wound to the face and uh shortly after that, I don't know the exact time, he told me that I had his shooter on the traffic stop. So yeah. you're there alone. Uh, yeah, you're that's, there al- that's, that's exactly. Yeah. You're there alone dealing with this dude. You, you got a, a second passenger. I mean, it, it, not even related to this case. Let's, let's just talk in generalizations. Let's talk about how you would like, what, what, what would your frame of mind be if you pulled Eric and I over and I had uh, alcohol in my breath. I was covered in blood head to toe, and I'm just screaming at you belligerently. And Eric's sitting in the pass- passenger seat uh, in his uh, later hosen. Uh, he's an unknown. Uh, what's your frame of mind at that point? Like, uh, how, how are you reacting to what we are or what we're doing? Hands, distance, and direction. Uh, I want to see what is occupying your hands. And I failed to note it in my report. Um, because that was a very adrenaline fueled stop. But I did, I, what I believe led to the video recording was I told him multiple times to put his hands up in a very loud manner. 
Um, I said, put your hands up, put your hands up. And with him being intoxicated, his hands, Ricky bobbied and went down. Did you say that in court? Was that that in court? Uh, no, I wish I had put it in there, but, uh, yeah, I put in a report. I put in a report one time that the man ripped his shirt off similar to Hulk Hogan did in WWE championships. And in trial, they asked me to explain that. And then the judge said, hold on one second. Does anybody in the jury have a question as to how Hulk Hogan would have ripped his shirt off? And everybody says, no, we get it. And he was like, I think we're okay. That's one of the highlights. You got to really paint that picture. You got to paint that picture, um, man. So he Ricky bobbied. Um, and now listen, when you're on a, for the civilians out there, listening, when you're on a traffic stop like this one, I'm sure you drove really fast to catch up to him, right? Cause if he uh, went by you at 80 miles an hour, it's not like you got on the, it's not like you got out in your car and went 25 miles an hour to, to get him. Right. I, I did what was prudent to conduct the traffic stop. Right. So you drove fast. Um, and, and that's going to get your, your adrenaline going. And then you get outside and then you see a dude covered in blood who you thought was just going to be yeah. a DUI, who you thought actually was not going to stop. So now your adrenaline goes up even more, but now you've seen the sight of blood. Everybody reacts to blood a little bit different. Some people get queasy. Some people get grossed out. Some people get target fixated on the wound itself and they can't stop looking at it. There's a lot that goes in there, like psychological and physiological. And, um, and, and then now you've got to think of what to say. And it's like podcasting. You know, I put people on a podcast. I remember Andrea, if you go back and listen to the first night shift back in August of last year with Andrea, she was terrible on the mic. And sometimes her awkward silences, she couldn't figure out what to say. This is a girl who talks way too much all the time forever. Like get her on the phone. You'll never get her off. And she couldn't find anything to say. So a lot of people don't understand that when you're on a traffic stop like this and all that adrenaline is coursing through your veins, it's hard to come up with words and to try to think of like, what is the law? What am I supposed to do? What's the policy? Uh, you know, what are my, what are my tactics that I'm supposed to use right now? So a lot's going through your brain, I, I assume. Yeah. So again, hands distance direction. Um, so naturally you don't want to stand, you know, at a 90 degree angle. Right. So create that direction. And um, I will, I will phrase distance with a, Marine Corps institution that I hold dear. Um, so the mission of the Marine Corps Rifle Squad is to close with and destroy the enemy through fire and close combat. I cannot do that barring the need for deadly force. But what I can do is I can close that reactionary gap. Um, and I'm already punched out at that time. So I have my pist- my duty pistol in my hand pointed in his direction saying, Give me your- let me see your hands, let me see your hands, let me see your hands. So he knows that there is the possibility for an interaction like that to happen now because he's staring at uh, the business end of my duty pistol, um, for lack of a better term. And so what I wanted to do was be able to see into the car at a safe direction, not 90 degrees, and then also be able to make action if I have to. And I chose action over reaction. All reasonable. The, the suicide door comes into factor, too, because the the more the angle towards uh, the driver that you, you, you know, move, the easier it would be for him to just fling one of the doors open at you. I mean, you're just you're playing it smart, but there's a, a lot of moving parts that people don't think about, um, particularly when you're just uh, some kind of attorney general sitting in your office dreaming up 
uh, indictments. So what did, did the person that took the video, you, you caught their attention by yelling hands, you had your gun punched out. Uh, did the person that took the video say anything or did they disapprove or cheer you on or cheer the guy on or did anybody say anything? So actually, yes, in court, um, they played the video and there is a redacted audio segment in that video that the video expert testified to. Uh, she removed a section of the video in which she admitted during testimony that she had cursed, did not like the cursing being in there, but you could hear her former significant other saying, oh my God, the Mexican saying, just fucking kill me, bro. Mm. <laughs> okay why didn't so, she like your swearing who doesn't like swearing it's fucking 2020 no she didn't she didn't like her swearing so she redacted oh. her swearing out oh. of the audio i just I, I don't get this and i'm not asking for an opinion on this but i like uh, when i took any kind of audio recording or video recording as part of a trial in fact i almost got into a lot of trouble because of this because uh, we were having a very untoward conversation while stuff was being recorded and we didn't realize it. You can't edit that whatsoever. If you're going to use it as evidence, it goes in as evidence. Now, I, I can see there be ex being exclusions, you know, in, just in this odd case that you're involved in because, you know, there might not be able to, you might not be able to bring some stuff in because that would uh, incriminate him in his other trial or something like that. Like I could see something like that happening or making that argument, but, but making, making the recording prettier for the witnesses versus what actually was happening with the officer, I think is a huge unethical no, no. Not, I'm not really asking for an opinion. I mean, like uh, you feel free to, you know, give your opinion. I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to put you in that position, but that to me, that's just, that's horseshit. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> Thank I'll you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that was one of the big things with um, body camera footage that, that was starting to happen around 2021 ish, where they were trying to say that culture juries can't understand cultural language and that certain cultures talk a certain way and it can paint a bad picture to the jury. And so a lot of times they'll play the video, but they'll silence the video while they play it so that the jury won't be affected by what they hear. And it's because, you know, scumbags talk like scumbags. And then when you hear scumbags talking like scumbags, you know that they're scumbags and uh, we don't want our, our trials to be that easy. Speaking of body cams, did you have one on? No, I did not. But I got did, a story uh, about that. Yeah, I was, well, uh, I mean, yeah. What was the policy? Did you have? <laughs> did you even have one? So, um, under that administration at that time, uh, I did not have one, and um, I worked with a deputy who was the former undersheriff of the county I was serving in. Uh, he was in the jail and got promoted to undersheriff. Then he put himself through the road academy, was also doing the road academy and also performing his undersheriff duties at the same time, and then uh, came onto the road. So I have great respect for this man, uh, nothing but it. But not only was he doing that, he was also with 17 years of law enforcement background, I believe at that time, uh, he was helping me write grants. And as his position as the former jail administrator and also as the sheriff, he was very versed in this. 
Um, so we had no motor vehicle cameras. We had no body cameras. We had no voice recorders. And what I, I had worked at agencies before where I would use a body camera. It was policy on one of those departments to use the body camera per call. And um, if you could, you would use it as most as possible. So um, I actually really enjoyed having a body camera because I could go call to call to call to call and uh, almost basically forget the last call, completely focus on the next call, and then go back to the station, blast out all my reports that I needed to do and make sure that I'm caught up. And then it's the camera doesn't lie. Um, it, it may be conceived differently by whoever's viewing it, but camera footage is camera footage, um, especially when it's a body-worn camera. It's not like a cell phone video from 50 yards away and the audio is redacted. The body camera is meant to be instrumental to that police officer. So I wrote a grant for body cameras. It was a $25,000 grant um, with a 20% match. Um, the grant was approved by the state. The grant was approved by the city commission. However, it ended up not getting approved completely. And where it fell into that line, I do not know. However, what I can tell you is that I just ended up not getting a, a body camera, which was unfortunate to the situation because I think it would. Well, be I mean, like twenty five thousand, even like a fifty thousand dollar grant's not. I mean, because you still have to hire somebody to uh, process the body camera footage, to move it into evidence, to move it out of evidence, to download it, to upload it to charging stations. I mean, fifty thousand dollars doesn't seem like it would pay for anyone to. Have if it's a, body a small camera. department, though, if it's a if there it's was a, only like four a ten-man department, yeah. If it's a, <laughs> oh, <laughs> never mind. Yeah. I was but, but, thinking like fifty thousand dollars. I mean, I think it was like twenty-five million. To, <laughs> something but but that's so, also I mean, that's testament to your to to the character. Like, look, I'm not afraid of of anything. I'm not afraid. I, you don't need to redact what I say. I'll wear a camera. In fact, I'm begging the, the the city or the county to give us cameras so we can operate and do our jobs. Is that is that a fair characterization of, of your mentality? That's what I believe, yes. I mean, um, I, I truly wholeheartedly believe that I never intentionally do anything to, to harm anybody. Um, I, I've done enough in my life that I never have to kind of shake my finger in somebody's face and i also don't have to try to skate around the rules um i i think body cameras are vital for helping officers just based off my short experience with them i enjoyed my body camera a lot actually and for the grant that i wrote it was for two body cameras for a day shift camera and a night shift camera so we had we had four shifts a days b days a nights, B nights. And so between those two body cameras, one can charge completely for 12 hours because we're working 12 hour shifts. And then the night shift would come on, put their body camera on. I think that would be completely instrumental for any department. Yeah. I, I, the other thing about body cameras is, I mean, it's, it's, the the world clamored for body cameras we want transparency we want we want to be able to see what these officers are doing and then when we embrace it or we actually show the footage of what's on the body camera all of a sudden nobody wants th there are times when you play body camera footage that people still don't believe what they're seeing and it's it's uh it's frustrating it's frustrating for the profession like you guys asked for this and, and you wanted to see the raw truth. I even see something in the chats here about, you know, well, maybe I wouldn't understand uh, slang or, or whatever. Okay, well, 
We do uh, because we're forced to. It's a matter of life and death. And it's right here, recorded on the body camera. And it's right here in front of you, the jury. You can make your determination of what was said or what, was, what wasn't said. If you need me to translate something for you, fine. But you all wanted these body cameras. So you're going to have to accept what's on them because it doesn't show just because it doesn't show in your favor. And I, I well, that's, you know, that's kind of like the way I've seen body cameras be misused is, is, as I had a trial with a female who was involved in a domestic violence situation and she was out in the yard and you know, it, a lot of violent speech to the point where I was like, yeah, I can tell that this chick's the aggressor in this domestic violence situation. I don't care if she does have a black eye or not. I mean, she's definitely the one that's, you know, this, you know, I believe that guy's three of hers. Anyway, when it went to trial, uh, they redacted so much of my body camera footage because what she says paints a picture that she's guilty. And, but the evidence, her having a black eye would make her look innocent. And so the, the defense tried to paint this whole picture that, wait a minute, the guy doesn't have a black eye. She has a black eye. And the only reason she looks guilty is because what she says. But I, I, my, my argument is, yeah, what she says proves, if you listen to it in its totality, that it proves that she is the aggressor here and that she's the one that's fighting. And, I'm, you know, it's more probable than not that this dude decked her because she was assaulting him first, you know. But that whole thing, I think, I'm not sure if that guy lost that trial or he didn't, but I was so frustrated at the trial because they never would share uh, the audio to the jury of what she sounded like. And I just think that's a huge, you know... That's a misjustice, in my opinion. That's that's exactly my point. But you know, let's let's put it out there as raw as it is. It's it should be raw. In, in other words, like if you're going to deal with the totality of circumstances, which is the standard by which we're judging all of these things that goes into Matthew's probable cause, that goes into whether this guy's going to get charged with murder. It's totality of circumstances. Let's see the totality. Everything yeah. that's available to us: the audio from the person taking the video. Uh, you know, whatever the guy's saying, and you can hear on that same video, like you can't use it just in your favor. Well, I mean, how about like, if we're going to do the totality of facts, like let's do, yeah, let's do the totality of all the facts because they, they were really quick to bring out Mistretta's uh, mishappenings. Um, some of his complaints, they were uh, able to bring up a lot of Mistretta's past and paint a certain picture about his past. But you cannot find anything on the suspect's past. You can't find his criminal record. You can't. So, like, if we're gonna paint the whole picture of each individual and who they were and what they experienced, let's paint the whole entire picture. As a matter of fact, it was until I saw the article um, that I believe Brooke may have been the source of, and then I heard a podcast with Brooke on it that I that I found out that that guy was actually charged with murder. Like, I, I didn't know all of that until so like these convenient facts where the attorney general is making this big statement about, you know, I'm going to clean up this town and I'm going to get rid of these dirty cops. Uh, oh, by the way, he had just stopped a guy that, that literally just committed a murder. I mean, it, it's the small voices like Brooks or it's, it's, you know, Matthew who can't even who was actually imposed with a gag order after he was charged. Let, let's get to the charging. How about that? What what? what how were you notified and, and what happened? And, and Brooke, did you rack the weights when you found out? And Brooke, how many serial killings have taken place in that basement that you're sitting in right now? <laughs> uh, probably at least five. I God, that place is creepy. <laughs> um, What was the question again? Are so, you in Michigan? Is that a Michigan? No, I, I feel no, like that's a Michigan background. 
I think they're a million miles away from Michigan. So, so what, what was, um, you know, Matthew gets arrested or, or like you become involved with Matthew and, in, in, in this process, like what, uh, what goes into it? What's the support like? What's, what's the, uh, sleepless nights and, you know, tell us a little bit about what, did you start dating him after like. this? Is that what attracted to you? Or are you just attracted to felons? Yeah, that was, that was actually our, uh, our ongoing joke. I met him, I think about a year in, um, didn't really didn't realize how this was all going to play out. Didn't think it was going to be this big. Um, but of course I'm seeing headlines, um, kind of like you were just referring to like, they're calling the murderer a truck driver, like truck driver, um, assaulted by police officer. And obviously with my background, like that, that was enraging to see. Um, and just seeing, knowing that it was, you know, the standard, like just little, segments of videos that are fed out without the whole you know the totality of the circumstances um so it was kind of initially i didn't didn't plan on sort of being the voice in this um and speaking out for him but it just got to the point where i i couldn't take it anymore um and then i actually saw christina davis what she was doing um for matt and that was a huge um like example i i sort of without the the path that she had paved i don't know that i would have even thought to take this route or to take the steps that i did so th- th- this is this is important matthew Degas was out in california and he was he he was uh, again you know just like a a vengeance prosecution against a police officer because they said he lied in his report or something but his uh his spouse uh was was by not only by his side but advocating for him i, I want to make something real clear too by the way before we go any further the, the, this case is not over and the, the the criminal case is over not guilty three counts thank god there's still a pending civil case in the u.s federal court system so there are things that we're going to have to glance over and things that we can't talk and brooke when we ask you questions you're you're speaking for yourself you're not speaking on behalf of matthew or anything so um, what, so she was an inspiration. Did you see other cases like Keelan Darby, like Ben Darby's case or, or, um, uh, the other case in, uh, sure. Have you seen, you know, cases like that? Did you draw inspiration from that? Um, I hadn't seen Keelan's efforts yet. Um, I knew about their case. I am almost positive that I actually, when I was hired at my agency, watched Ben Darby's incident as obviously a what to do. Um, so I, I knew about his case, but I didn't know about the efforts that Keelan was making. Um, I really had just seen Christina's case um, or her support of Matthew's case. Yeah. Forgive me for glossing over this. You were a law enforcement officer at one point as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And, but not currently. You're a student currently, is that? Yep. Back to school. Oh, back who did you school. assault? <laughs> well you can see the books behind her so obviously she <laughs> uh, um so okay so when you get this guy out of his car i want to go back to the the scene can i do that drew go for um, it or, or you, you got more questions um no, no no go for it we'll 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 pick it up as we go along i like it um when you get this guy to the back of your vehicle at what point did you decide yeah this bitch is going on the ground Oh, let me change that. This suspect is going <laughs> right, right. to the ground. 
so I actually never made it to the back of my vehicle. What I did is I used the hood of my car in order to control him. It was never my intention to harm him in any way. And he never filed a complaint against me. And he actually said that he was never injured against me by me. Also. Right. We covered that on the um, breakdown. I thought that was interesting. So who made the complaint? Fact. Like who made the complaint? If, if he himself did not complain, listen, if I murder somebody, second degree murder somebody, um, I mean, I'm pro I'm probably the unless the cop just beats the brakes off me, I, I probably just that's the last thing I'm going to worry about is how I was putting into handcuffs. I mean, I just murdered somebody like I kind of feel like it's common sense that there's going to be a little aggressiveness behind that. So I'll preface that with a small story. Um, I'm. I'm not prone to violence, but I have experienced a significant amount. Uh, you guys actually did in the breakdown uh, that I watched. You mentioned my Marine Corps combat tours. Um, it wasn't Iraq. It was Afghanistan. Um, specifically, I'm going to speak about one leader that I had that was instrumental. Um, his name was Chris Marlowe. And the story I'm going to tell about is picking up a dead Marine. Um, so we got called out as QRF um, to go recover the body of one of my brothers. And, um, and during the recovery of his body, um, I ended up putting him on my shoulders and uh, I had CSF, uh, cerebral spinal fluid coming out one side and other blood bodily fluid coming out of the other. And when I was running through medium machine gun fire that was accurate by the enemy um we took a quick stop it was about a mile distance complete and uh, we took a quick stop and um, my squad leader looked at me and he said uh he wouldn't drop you that was it those four words and in that moment i had uh some clarity that that showed me that you could have not only compassion but you could also have clear and precision or clear and precise thoughts during um during a very unfortunate circumstance so when the reason i'm saying that is he was actively resisting me by pushing back on me and you could actually see it in the video that they produced in evidence you could see him tense his body um right before we get to the squad car you can see him tense his body and almost kind of backstep but you could see his legs lock and so when I am pushing him forward and he locks his legs and then he suddenly unlocks his legs, that momentum brought him onto the hood of the car. And then you could actually observe in what was not sped up or reduced the how slowly I lowered him to the ground. I, I knew that um, this is a volatile situation, but I can also act, I could act fast and or as you like to say it, um, I could act friendly and violent at the same time. Um, I am large enough in capacity. I'm 6'3", 260. I don't need to use a whole lot of force to make things happen. Um, I can, and I could use great force to make things happen, but I don't have to. Um, so again, it was not my intention to hurt him in any way. And he never produced any verbal uh, communication saying that I did. Um, so he forced himself onto the hood of the car and by him getting onto the ground, um, I was able to secure him. And again, thoughts in my mind is I have vehicles driving by. He just killed somebody. 
one of my biggest fears is somebody jumping into traffic of somebody who I've already placed into custody or I have temporary detention of. And then I am mortified that he might end up dying or Um, pushing, pushing you into traffic even. I mean, yeah, essentially. And what, what I have always done is I'm a right-handed shooter. Um, my gun belt, my pistol sits on my right hand. I am a right hand AR operated individual. So my right leg is down because if my right leg was up, I would not be able to draw my pistol back out. And that was my primary means of defense at this time, because I was told he shot somebody. So I believe there is a gun in that car and the passenger got out multiple times. So I need to be able to operate my duty pistol. So my right leg is on like his lower back, uh, like upper buttocks area. And I call out one in custody, um, keep sending other units. And I could hear the units on the highway. I am approximately four miles away from the highway, three miles away from the highway at this point. But I could hear the engines and I could hear the sirens. I, they're, they're coming hot. And, uh, and right as I get on the radio and I say one in custody, the passenger is out of the vehicle and he's staring at me. Not only is he staring at me outside of the vehicle, he's going through his pockets. <laughs> so where, where I'm on the radio and I say one in custody, the video stops. What you don't see is I immediately punch back out. And through loud, forceful commands, um, I am able to apprehend the passenger and no incident occurred from that. <clears throat> the reason I didn't put the driver in my car is I know I have no recording devices. I know I have no motor vehicle cameras and he is screaming on the ground. Just fucking kill me, bro. So that leads me to believe other excited utterances. I know he's intoxicated. I know he's covered in blood. And I know that he's involved in a shooting at that time, totality of circumstances. So, um, when God, it's kind of fucked up that he asked you to shoot him and you didn't do it. It's kind of a dick move. <laughs> serve, serve others. I think is what your badge says. Uh, yeah. Um, Chick-fil-A would have done it. Chick-fil-A would have given it to him hot and ready. Doing Lord's work. Um, so, um, I, I get my other partner there um, from the other jurisdiction. And as we scoop the driver up, we are walking him back. I am calling for med. I get medical attention there on scene. The ambulance arrives. They transport him to the hospital in the ambulance accompanied by another agency. So I'm no longer in physical contact with this guy. But as we are putting him into a vehicle that does have audio and video recording the father of the victim shows up on my traffic stop he goes through a series of vehicles um that were police emergency vehicles they were squad cars isn't that crazy like how quickly any crime scene as a police officer can turn into the episode of jerry springers like i, I think of, like oh, a yeah. lot of people don't i think a lot of people don't understand drop of that. the hat yeah and that's why like when somebody gets close to a um any kind of crime scene, right? Like when we're watching, I mean, I don't know. We see tons of these body cam videos where you got these people walking up and they're like, hey, stay over there. They'd be like, what do you mean stay over there? I'll got my camera. I'm going to film it. They're like, all right, cool. Just stand over there. Like this is the reason why cops do that is because almost every single night, every single, every single critical incident, this kind of shit happens where the father, which you probably didn't know that was the father 
right at first, did you? It probably took you a few seconds or a minute to figure out that it's the father. It you don't know who's long, showing up. It took me long enough to realize that he crashed his car on the <laughs> sidewalk into a light pole. And then he immediately exited the vehicle that he was operating. And his first words were, he killed my son. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's intense, dude. That's a good indicator. That's a good indicator, yeah. It takes half a second. And that's so, crazy. Let's talk about, like, your adrenaline, like, right? Because adrenaline is, like, way up. Then your adrenaline kind of, like, dives down as you hear the roar of the engines in the crowd. And, and you know, you kind of got things kind of in control. And then now you're getting, like, a huge other spike because some dude just wrecks his car in front of you and then gets out and, and is like, that dude just fucking killed my son. Like, dude, your body, your heart, like, all the things that are going on in your body right now, yeah, people don't get it, man. But like, that's exhausting. That's an exhausting. How many minutes has it been at this point? Maybe five, six. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, yeah I mean, and plus, Not a it lot seems of time. Like, it seems like an eternity when you can hear the cavalry coming too, and and you're holding this guy down. You know, trying to secure him. Uh, you're holding him down, which which other people have described as you know, uh, Derek Chauvin like or or George Floyd like, which is so far from the truth. It's just it's to to evoke emotion. It's to paint a different picture, and and essentially you're just trying to secure this guy while the cavalry shows up. So you got some help there, and you can protect everybody. I don't even think this scene lasted nine minutes, just for everybody's essay. But what I can tell you is that when the father exited the vehicle, we were we were pushing the driver into my partner's squad car, so he had one leg into the rear door uh, to where the cage is at. And what immediately happened is that other officer and I both punched our duty weapons out because we have an immediate threat. Um, I gave the driver to my partner, who I am significantly larger than, and I reholstered my duty weapon, and I went up and I gave him the biggest hug that I could give anybody. Um, so what I did is I grabbed him, uh, essentially in a gable grip hug and i told him that i'm sorry i know what you want to do however you cannot this is this is past that opportunity like he's yeah. with me now um so what i said is i i know what you want to do you can't do it you have to go home go be with your wife and um matthew i, I hate to i hate to throw you off your groove here there's a term for that in law enforcement. D Eric, do you know what that's called? No. It's called fucking de-escalation. So this guy, oh. this buzzword that we're all fucking inundated with about de-escalation, took the bear hug on the victim's father to kind of calm him down. Like, this is, this is the character. This is the compassion. This is what Matthew Mistretta is. It's not the, I've got my knee on this guy's back because I want to be Derek Chauvin. It's fucking compassion. It's actually de-escalation like everybody's asking. You know what's crazy is I was fighting with my kids last night. My kids are 10 years old, 5 years old, and 8 years old. And we were watching Terminator last night for movie night as a family movie night. And, um, and so my kids were, were round up. They were, they were hyped up. And one had snuck behind me on the couch because um, I was doing research on my phone. I wasn't paying attention. And he jumped over the back and yelled, get him. And I got ambushed by all three kids at the same time. My wife was in on it as well. I had no idea it was coming. 
And so they, one's like tickling my neck and the other one's going for my, my stomach. And then the five-year-old who's a serial killer, um, <laughs> the future serial killer, like he's coming in, he's like pulling my hair and we, and, and it's on, it's game on. Like I drop the phone, the fight is on with the three kids. Now I took the one that was behind me and I grabbed him and I pulled him up over my shoulder and I put him down and I pinned his throat down with my other hand, the five-year-old, I shoved him to the floor and I stuck my foot on his chest and held it down. Now I'm being tickled in the stomach from the, uh, from the uh, eight-year-old. So I grabbed the eight-year-old by the neck. So I've got two kids by the neck, one with each hand and then one kid on the foot. And not once was any kid not laughing or not having a great ass time doing it. Just because you grab somebody by the throat, just because you are doing so, it doesn't mean that you are physically hurting them. And it goes back to what you said earlier, dude, I outweigh my kids by probably 200 and something pounds. If I really want to hurt my kids and win that fight, I'll win that fight. But we ended up wrestling for 10 minutes to the point where I was sweating and beat red and laughing so hard that my jaw hurt because I was getting tickled. But like, that's the thing. Just because you put your knee on somebody's back doesn't mean that you're crushing them or hurting them. You know, right. just because these things are they look violent doesn't mean that they can't be friendly as well. And it's just so crazy that we wrap all this up with, with the whole George Floyd thing. Well, after we watch UFC fighters try to kill each other, try to choke each other out for 10 or 15 minutes straight. And they're trained to do that and they still can't even do it. Yeah, listen, I, I, the <laughs> this is going to make everybody mad. Uh, and, and if this, you know, if you have some kind of flashback from this, I understand, Matthew. This is what the attorney general's press release said about her public integrity investigations she did five of them at one time and she exonerated one person like oh you're a saint uh but this is what she said about matthew's case charges against matthew mistretta from hartford police department last august hartford police officer matthew mistretta conducted a traffic stop on a truck that was speeding and being driven erratically Bystander video of the resulting incident showed Mistretta removing a male driver from the truck, shoving him into the side of the truck to handcuff him, then slamming him onto the hood of the patrol car. Mistretta then proceeded to take the individual to the ground and knelt on him in a similar manner to the George Floyd murder. Now, we, we talked a little bit about this, Eric and I did last week. Uh, well, we talked about it with your case, but we also talked about it in another case that we're we're going to be reviewing coming up, and we ca we came to the same conclusion. If you have to appeal to the reader with flowery words, or you have to paint a picture that's not completely accurate, like essentially, you could say that you could say anything you want to say about this. Like if 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 I were writing the 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 award for officer of the year for Matthew Mistretta, I would say, you know, he single-handedly took the driver out of the car who was later convicted of murder, you know, like you, but if you have to use these emotional, um, like evocations to, to, to get your point across, obviously it's a load of horseshit. It, it's like, if, if it's just straight facts, like Matthew Mistretta slammed this guy on the ground. He shouldn't have slammed him on the ground and we charge him with two counts. Let's let the jury decide. That's a different story, but that's not what we have here. And that's why I think this is significant that, you know, in, in, in even so when she came out and did her press conference for this, I watched it on Facebook. It's the most ridiculous thing you'll ever see, Eric. She comes out with her mask on because that was the era. Mm. And then she sees she sees her sign language interpreter standing there. So she starts signing to her sign language interpreter. And I thought, okay, look, I, I thought, okay, what, what a noble move this is. 
let's let's think about this. Can for we a vir- can we signal any more virtue? Hold on a second. I mean, let's let's think about it because because what is what message is she sending? She's like, I speak sign language. Well, dummy, if if that's your sign language interpreter, obviously she fucking she can hear you. So if you if you want to say something to her, just say something to her. You don't she's have to not do deaf, this. right? She's like not if, deaf. if there's actually deaf people in the crowd, why don't you just say like hi to the deaf community? Right. So she she signs to her. The person signs back. Everybody loves it. She takes off her masks. Then she starts lying about Matthew Mistretta, my opinion. So uh, this is all a big virtue signal. Like cops are horrible and evil. Uh, and and what, what they don't take into account is the lives like Matthew uh, that were destroyed. Like this guy, the, you know, we went over it in the, the, the you can elaborate it on it, Matthew. You lived a life. But you know, he grew up in Nevada. He, he wasn't the greatest, uh, uh, you know, upbringing. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But he, you know, served his country. He served his community. There isn't, there isn't a time that he hasn't been serving. When we were on the phone the other day, he's, you know, he's currently doing like insurance adjusting and, and, and getting roofs, you know, in place. Uh, working with a roofing company, he was like, "Hey, I got to call you back in a minute. I'm trying to get a roof for a veteran." It's, it's all about service to man with this kid. And and this this to make a political statement, uh, a, a politically charged indictment. Uh, it, it's just it's frustrating to me. It I is. The, uh... It is. It is disgusting. Um, and you brought up Mistretta's background. I mean, maybe there is something to his background because it. I mean, I don't think uh, he didn't even have any parents, right? Um, I'm not. Did you have parents? Did you have parents? Well, I'm not. Uh, I'm not an Whoa, immaculate conception. I mean, um, <laughs> are you Jesus Christ? No, no. I'm, Hold on, are you the baby I've, Jesus? No, I've I've led a life of sin and debauchery. But one thing that this is uh, this case has brought me close to is is uh this case has brought me closer to God. So, you know, I I, I used to tell everybody, um, you always get close to God in a foxhole. Um, you know, I say there's I've, no atheist in a foxhole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's two people that that people cry to when they're dying. Their mother and God. Mm-hmm. And uh and I've I've heard a lot of people die. And um you know, I I've witnessed a lot of that. Um whether it was a as a police officer, whether it was a firefighter, whether it was as a Marine, uh, with multiple combat rotations. And, um, so yeah, yeah. I'm actually really thankful this happened to me. It humbled me, uh, significantly. It brought me closer to God and, uh, and I'm really happy for that. That's, <laughs> um, that's always a good thing, you know? Yeah, uh, now so, do you, um, have you talked to your, do I mean, do you talk to your mom about this? Yeah. Stuff? Yeah. We, we, well, um, about the case. No, I filter out a lot of stuff. Um, my mom has some, some anxiety about a lot of stuff. And, um, but I mean, she, she tries. Um, so to kind of put it in perspective, I was, I was homeless for a long time. And, um, and then shortly after this case broke, I was homeless again. Uh, when I met Brooke, I was living in a storage unit. Um, when I was, in high school, I became homeless my like late sophomore, early junior year. And, um, and there was times where I would sleep in the bus stop. Like, uh, Reno has what's known as the RTC, the regional transit center. 
and um, and quite frequently it's filled with homeless individuals um, because there's a significant homeless population there. Um, my mom did what she could. She did her best. But I mean, you know, you're raising a kid. It's not always easy, especially when you're doing it alone sometimes. Um, so I had some tough times. Yeah. 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 And uh, and uh, God's God's not through with you yet. You, you're 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 like you're just on the you're in the beginning of this like obviously uh you've had enough tests it's probably uh time to stop being tested uh but you're you you've passed every one every single one of them with flying colors matthew so uh i I think putting your trust in god is a very wise decision on your part and i think it's going to bring you uh probably 10 million miles farther than you ever imagined or you ever dreamed. That's my hope anyway. Brooke, what, what were you thinking when you first got involved with Matt? Like, like what was just kind of like your first take on, on Matt? Um, I mean, you've seen, he, he's just a man of conviction. You know, he has standards, he has morals and he's just unwavering in them. And, you know, if he can get through this, I, I knew a lot of what he had already gotten through. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> it was just, I, I knew that he would make it through this. Um, he made that very clear that he wasn't giving in. Um, so he made it easier to get through this process with how unwavering he is. Who were those folks in that picture that they just posted up there? Um, so uh, going back to my spouts of homelessness, um, that is my um, pretty much adopted parents. Uh, so uh-huh. the the gentleman with the beard was um, at one point in time my martial arts instructor. I've been doing various forms of martial arts since I was, I don't know, 10. Uh, that is me choking out a major in the Marine Corps. Um, <clears throat> so, um, yeah. I'm glad I, you... I'm glad you clarified that this was martial arts because this is definitely not what I thought it was. But anyway, uh, yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm fairly skilled with my physical attributes. That's that's one thing that I, I have been fairly blessed with. Um, so they are. Um, they showed up to court. Um, and then God, that the, one dude's got a fucking three piece suit on with the vest and everything. Yeah, those. So when this originally happens, um, at that point, I'd probably met over 2000 Marines and every single duty station that I've ever served in. And I've been in multiple. I've served in a leadership capacity at one point in time or another. Um, My first tour, I was a team leader as a E3. So I had four gentlemen under my command um, and my last two tours, I served as a squad leader. So. I've, I've always had a leadership role. There's, there was only like the first introductory six months of my time into the fleet in the Marine Corps that I was known as a boot, which is the beginning of one's time in service. Yeah. Um, so I, I've, I've always held a leadership capacity in one way or another. And those are my junior Marines that showed up to help represent. I also had, um, some former firefighters and some former police officers as well. Um, however, they did not make it outside for the picture. Yeah, so the firefighters were staged a little bit down the road, right? Waiting for waiting to waiting for word that it was safe for them to come in for the picture. <laughs> yeah, um, but how many crowns did you get once you were found not guilty? <laughs> did a uh, were you showered um, in red crayons? 
we went to the Crayola factory after and it was an all you can eat menu. <laughs> it's all you can eat crayons. Yeah. 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 That was after the family swerved. Oh, so the, yeah. I don't know. Man, you know what? I'm just going to. So the, we're standing outside before this photo was taken. You know, we walked out very calm. We're not celebrating, not, right. you know, just sure. casual. Um, we're standing out the, outside just making plans, figuring out where we're going to go next. Um, should we go grab a bite to eat? And uh, we see this SUV rocking back and forth in the parking lot. And uh, all of a sudden it starts peeling out swerves towards us as we're standing there like they're gonna hit us and mom of uh espino miss mrs espino i guess uh is hanging out the window giving the finger and screaming fuck you and that's the dude that's the dude that he put on the ground yeah that's, yeah so family so the whole family is shitty drivers basically i mean i think yeah. that's what that's yeah. the lesson we can all learn here uh, I think something it, was said about an apple in a tree, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, listen, when you guys, where did you guys go out to eat? Was it Outback? Uh, no. Chili's. Um, you guys look like a Chili's group. <laughs> definitely yeah. not Applebee's. Uh, actually, we had uh, Hooters. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, they're Marines. They went to Hooters. Yeah. No, we uh, we just went to a local uh, pub and had a burger and nice. had some nachos. Nice. And, uh, Tastes different being a. I mean, you were a free man, but like you know, I'm sure. I'm sure the weight of, had been lifted off your shoulders, right? A burger with a side of freedom fries. Uh, I mean, this isn't really going away. Um, so I'm working in a small town, probably about two hours north of where the incident occurred and um michigan's a small state it's only three hours across and um i i had sent out an email to some of my customers and uh i said i'll be out of office on vacation for the trial and uh because i didn't want anybody to know and uh i come back it's like four days ago and uh i approach a homeowner and i'm sitting there talking to her and I said, yeah, you know, I sent an email to your husband. I was out on vacation. I apologize for that. You know, let's do some catch up. And she goes, I know you weren't out on vacation. And I go, what do you mean? And she goes, officer, Mistretta. And I just, <laughs> oh, shit. It's like my heart just sank. Well, I mean, was she and, sweet? Was she nice about it? I mean, was she on your side? Or was she being shitsies? No, it's, it's a complex situation. And, um, what I can say is that uh, the husband was not happy with the situation. So, ah, fuck. Well, I mean, I mean, if anything, dude, it gives you an excuse to get the fuck out of Michigan. Like, come on down We're to North Carolina, it, dude. North Carolina is a dope it, ass state. Hey, man, Michigan's not Shut that bad. Up, Elijah. <laughs> Michigan sucks. There's nothing you know, good about it. I live 15 minutes south of Detroit. It's yeah, great. Right. Bodies floating up down the Detroit River. It's amazing. Uh, Elijah's never left Michigan, so he doesn't know that there's another world out there. He's like, uh, what, what's the what's that island where those people have never never left the island? No one's allowed to go on the island. Centennial Island. Kong Island. Yeah. No, Centennial Kong Island, Island, you uncultured fucks. <laughs> Kong, Kong. Jesus Christ. There's a movie about that, right? No. Yeah, it's called Kong, Kong Island. Island. Yeah. Kong Island. <laughs> Not Centennial Island. Centennial Island's uh, a real fucking place. That's where uh, that missionary no. kid. That's where that missionary kid was gonna try to bring the good word to Sentinel Island, and 
they buried them on the beach. Um, um, so, you- I mean, there's there's a lot in the works right now. Um, I'm a licensed builder in multiple states. Um, so I, I've had clientele in the past. Um, we're working on uh, trying to figure out a battle plan. Brooke's going to graduate college. Um, that should be happening next year. And that'll give me enough time to figure out what's happening in civil court and also um, make enough money back because uh, I am drowning in debt right now from this. Um, Seriously, not- man. Like, is there no like, like, have you were you ever involved with like the pipe hitters union or? Yeah. Speaking of which, yeah. uh, you did a you did a nice heartfelt video on behalf of pipe hitters. Uh, talk a little bit about that. I mean, let's let's talk about where we can donate and and what. Um, so there, there's two foundations that were supporting me primarily, uh, one being the Pipe Hitters, the other being the National Center for Police Defense Funding. I have nothing but great things to say about both of those. Um, but as Brooke previously mentioned, Christina Degas. Um, so it was before I was approached by the Pipe Hitter Foundation, um, Matt Degas, uh, through social media and Brooke, because I, under the gag order, I could not post anything about it i could not do anything and brooke has taken that role and pretty much become the commandant of the entire yeah well (laughs) um (laughs) so um she's she's uh she's become the leader of that aspect and she was able to link up with the daguses and then matt was the one that uh really approached the pipe hitter was like hey this this is probably one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Um, but so that's the pipe hitter foundation aspect. You can also donate to the pipe hitter. Um, and one thing that I'm doing is once the legal fees are complete and totally paid for any other residing, uh, financial contributions to, uh, that charity is going to other officers. So as soon as, as soon as I'm paid up and that bill is paid, all the remaining money I would like to be funneled back to the other officers. I have the ability to work. I am a hard worker and, uh, and I'll make it. Yeah, man. I I I broke my leg fighting a murder suspect. And, uh, and it was crazy because I mean, it was like five months. Um, I had like 12 screws, two plates, two plates and a, a rod put in my left leg. And, um, but you're not allowed to work off duty. So you lose that like $35 an hour, you know, which is an extra couple thousand dollars a month. Uh, you know, you lose that. Um, you only get like 70% of your pay when you're out on workman's comp. You don't get the full hundred percent pay. I had two children at the time. Um, my, my wife and I had had the two kids. One was just a baby. And, um, and, and I mean, that was five months, but I was like, dude, what happens to guys that get fucking like, like shot? And they're out for like two years. Like, how does anybody live? Because it's already not a lot of money to live off of a cop's salary. But then like when you take away, I mean, basically when you're taking away off duty and you're taking away all the other time, like you're basically taking like 40% of the pay away. And it's like, you can't survive. Like that was such a dark holiday season for us when I broke my leg because it was like, oh my gosh, dude, we can't afford shit right now. And it's crazy. And so like, man, it's sad that you went through something like this. Is there any civil suit for you? Are you, are you able to civilly go after anybody for this defamation case or anything? To be honest, um, we're both pretty done with just just all of it. Yeah. I mean, that's how I felt like after I left the department, like everybody was like, are you suing the department? I mean, I was, and then, then I started making money elsewhere. And, and listen, if you keep your nose to the grindstone 
uh, the money's going to come in and you're not going to, you, you'll forget about this. Don't sell yourself short. You're, you're a bright dude. Um, yeah. and a handsome guy. I mean, if anything, there's always Vegas for you. There's lots yeah. of jobs in Vegas for you. He's yeah. He's Can you just dance? so you'll know he, he's only, he's wearing a dicky. He's only wearing a half of a shirt. He's not wearing anything else below that. Uh, he confirmed that this morning. Oh, he tried to. Anyway. Do they have like dancers for Jesus or anything like that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, you rip your I shirt off. Sh- it just says like Jesus or something. I would try out for Thunder <laughs> but, for Down Under, but uh, I don't think I'm good enough for that. <laughs> but going back to the other the other foundation before we get too far off topic is um, the National Center for Police Defense Funding. They were actually the first. Um, they were the first people to pick me up and they'd never told me no um you know i i also have to talk about my lawyer uh he set a very high precedence into this and um but my lawyer he's like hey man your union's not covering you and it's gonna be a hundred thousand dollars like guarantee it and uh so i got that number and i was like time to go to work also to kind of put in perspective um i I had left the department about four months after that incident. Uh, I went through um, a series of life-changing events that forced me to leave the state of Michigan temporarily. And I, um, I was picked up by a contracting company uh, to employ my skills that I had previously learned in implemented in combat. And I was going to go downrange again and serve my country again in a other capacity. Um, so I was still serving, even though I wasn't on the police department, um, I was just doing something a little bit different and I was going to go out there and I had on contract a job that was going to pay me $600 a day, um, to provide my expertise in areas that were contested. Um, so with that being said, um, you asked, you asked how I was informed of this situation. And Brooke responded with her response. And my response is, I received an email. I received an email and it said literally one sentence. Did you see what they wrote about you on the news? Now, granted, I have, cl- uh, I have security clearances that I um, was holding at the time. And if anybody who has any remote knowledge about a security clearance, if you're charged with anything, your life stopped. Um, Mm -hmm. So here I am getting ready to head to a contested area three weeks away from heading to a contested area. And I was charged with that felony and two misdemeanors. So therefore that's over that section of my life is over. So I went from a horrible section, made something out of it, got hired, got picked up, was getting ready to go serve again. And uh, then the emergency break gets pulled again. So I, I remember reading the email. It was like four 30 in the morning and I was getting ready for some physical training. And uh, I, I read the email and I Google my name and there's nothing quite as shocking as Googling your name and then 17 pages of news pops up so Mm -hmm. there i am on yahoo news cnbc msnbc fox news um yeah all the major outlets the guardian um (laughs) made it all the way to england overnight um so that was that was superb 
Um, and it wasn't so like great. Read, it wasn't like great things either. I mean, I, I read some of the no. articles. I mean, the articles sound fucking terrible. When you first Google your name, you, you know, it's kind of like, man, this guy, you know. Well, the the biggest thing that, that landed me in this gag order was my interview with Fox News 17. And I, I was quite frustrated with the media in the first place. And I said, last time I checked, there was only one person that died that night. And his name is Jesus De La Rosa. Right. And they're comparing me to Derek Chauvin. And that couldn't be further from the truth. And still up into that point, nobody knew that he killed somebody. So it, it was shock and awe for everybody else. And so I remember um, like 445 rolls around and I had just like had enough of reading these news articles. And I went and woke up my chief instructor and I was like, hey, we got a really big fucking problem. And he's like, what now, dude? And I was just like, here you go. And I handed him my iPad and he's like, sorry, man, got to go home. And uh, so I, at that point I was already deep into the school. I was getting ready to graduate. And, uh, and so I was flown home that day um, from a training location. And the next day I was able to get some representation for myself. And I, <clears throat> uh, produce myself in court the next day and um judge mckay of the papa court system said well you're apparently not running from everything or anything and i said sir i don't run from anything at all and uh he goes okay pr bond and then that allowed me to continue my life um and then also um so the ag is who charged me laura espino was charged by the county so the reason that he was not allowed to testify and being cross-examined by my defense attorney during the pre-examination trial or pre-examination was he had not made it further in the process than I had. I made it further in the process than he did because the attorney general makes precedent over county district courts. So that was shocking off for me as well, um, which led me to uh, adventure and uh, continue working. I've never stopped working. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's something that, you know, a lot of people, they're like, Oh, you know, just put it on the back burner. Like there's no back burner for me. It's, it's, you have momentum, you keep it, you keep your nose to the grindstone, you keep your chin up, your chest out and you do your damn job. There's, there's no quit. So, um, and then when we talked about like the ability to lose stuff, I had three foster kids at the time of this incident what i was i was shepherding three children uh that were severely assaulted and uh there was rumors of sexual assault for the four-year-old and the two-year-old and i had at the time of the incident i'd already had them since the beginning of the year and uh so i had a four-year-old a two-year-old and a newborn and i don't care to mention race but they weren't white and um and so, yeah, I never got to say goodbye to them. Man, that's fucking nuts, dude. <laughs> this, it's, it's just, it's a series of heartbreaks, but. Well, and so I, I'm going to, I'm going to diverge a little bit. Um, I remember walking into court, it's the second day and um, my lawyer is having a professional courtesy talk with the assistant attorney general. And uh, they're sitting there back and forth and they were talking about a series of officers that were charged. And um, and I learned a tactic from my lawyer 
and he says, just if you want to say something, but you know it's going to get overruled, just say it anyway, and then at least somebody hears it. And uh, so they have their conversation, and something brought me up to the statement of, well, it's pretty easy for you guys to sit here and laugh and joke when you're not sitting in the hot seat. Your life's not affected. You don't lose foster kids. You don't lose your life. You don't lose your job. You don't get your life put on hold for three, almost three years. You don't do X, Y, and Z. You don't move a thousand miles away because people are threatening to show up to your house and kill you while you have foster children that you're worried about. And uh, he pulls me out into the hallway and uh, he goes, he goes, what do you think you heard? I go, I just heard what I needed to hear. And he goes, well, why did you say that? And I said, because it needed to be said. I don't care what she thinks. I need her to know that I was shepherding children that were not my own. I was, I was serving outside the community and inside the community. I lost more on this than they will ever do. They're going to go back to their cozy desk. They're going to work their jobs that they get paid for by taxpayer dollars. And they're going to keep continuing to do this. However, I was making fourteen sixty-five an hour after taxes at that department part-time as an officer. I don't really care about the money. I did this because I needed to do something for my community. Right. Right. And it was ripped I, I, away. It's sad. I mean, it's, it's, it's sad that like that's kind of you know where where our country is kind of at right now, man. It's, it's not, and it's not just you. It's you know that's what's super sad. It's that there's cops. You know, I can't imagine being a cop right now and having to wake up with knowing this kind of anxiety. I mean, I got out of, of law enforcement in 2019 um, and I wasn't afraid of any of this. And now I, now that I talk to cops like you, Ben Darby and um, Degas, all these guys, man, it's, I don't know how you, it's not a game. It's not a, it's not a game anymore. Like not that it was a game before, but like you can't even go out and be a good human it's like there's a war on being a good human being yeah it's like let's go find the best human beings we can and let's make them them. fucking trash this is it's just the unethical way of showing how ethical they are like you know it's like we saw yesterday sorry to cut you off but we saw yesterday with the jerry springer shit drew like where everybody was just praising jerry springer and they had just tons of great things to say about jerry springer and so they have a guy that's truly a piece of shit that's truly a criminal that committed crimes that wrote bad checks to prostitutes while he was a city councilman while he was like the mayor of ohio he was skipping tons of sexual deviancies committed crimes and they made this guy yesterday look like a saint but then you have a guy that's literally a fucking saint mm-hmm. and, and we spent three years just fucking making a devil out of him well i mean we didn't but but you know the the, the people yeah the people that are capable of doing it so this is the, the overall picture is when you think about it them trying to make an example of someone because the system is crooked but they're using very crooked and underhanded means to make an example out of them. So you're not fixing anything. You're, if anything, you're damaging the system even more. And you're ripping this guy's life apart. You're ripping Brooke's life apart. You're ripping the, the three foster children's lives apart. This guy built up. He kept building up, and then they kept taking away. He kept building up, and then they kept – they take. I just – I, 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 you know, I feel for you, but you, you have my support. You already know that. But I mean, 
I, I can't wait for the book. I, I just like yeah. you've got to get all of these feelings into a, a, a volume so the rest of the world can hear this is what happens. This is not a, a form of justice. This is a form of revenge. This is beyond revenge. This is just straight up vengeance. This is just, you know, wanting to ruin your life just to make an example out of you. And, and you, you had nothing to do with nothing. Like you didn't even kill even. anybody. You know, it's fine. It's, that's what's no, crazy that, is like this was... fucking dude murdered somebody. And, 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 and by the way, like nobody even talks about the victim's name. You know the guy, that, the kid that was murdered. You know, he well, did. yeah, you do. I, do. I, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, when we played that on our Instagram channel, um, which is dope. You know what I mean? Like, just more great things, you know, from you. But like, it, I'm talking society as a whole is not going to remember the the real victim's name. You know, um, and and, and really the only name they're going to remember out of this is yours. You know, like people aren't even going to remember the dude that murdered the guy's name. And, and that's what's crazy, man. It, it's so hard. What advice do you have for people who are actively in law enforcement right now? Um, yeah, I made some notes about this. Um, if you, so, um, if you don't have body cameras, you need to do everything in your power to get body cameras. That's, that's, that's the number one thing for me too. Um, I actually, isn't it crazy that, that agencies that don't have body cameras, that they they have policies (laughs) that their officers aren't allowed to get their own body cameras. I thought that's fucking wild. So, um, two, um, if you're involved in a critical incident, what I did this for any incident, I took every single video and audio recording and I bought myself a hard drive. And um, this was for another jurisdiction I worked for. I didn't believe that it was going to be necessary for this jurisdiction, um, but I should have started putting the clues together earlier. Um, also, a uh, short, quick point. Um, I was hired at the agency in around June of that year uh, of 2020. And from June or from January 1st to December 31st, that calendar year, there were 66 arrests made on the books. And it was still a paper book that you had to fold the sheet over and write in the information. There was, there was 66 arrests made on the books that year. I made 59 of them. (laughs) Way to go, man. Gosh, that's such a a small area. I mean, I'm pretty sure like Raleigh makes 66 (laughs) arrests a day. Yeah, that was also not the first murder I had caught either. Um, I caught a guy with a body in his trunk that was wanted in connection for a forced overdose in another county. So he had a body in his trunk from a county, arrived in my county with that body in his trunk, and then I took him to C County and dropped him off with that body there because he was wanted in connection for a homicide there. And then there was also another murder as well that I had apprehended uh, just in that short time span. I, um, I accidentally gave a murderer a ride home with the gun. You know, on a, that's in my book, but Brooks yeah, got murdered. Um, Brooks got bodies in her basement. Yeah. There's no question um, behind that paneling. So, uh, so if you don't have body cameras, get body cameras Two, save everything that you absolutely can. Three, take your time with writing reports from end of incident to turning in report. It was roughly two hours that was it that's all i took because i thought i did the right thing i thought yeah, i mean like, I like, well, dude, like no, no cop has it. every cop has done exactly what you've done probably a thousand like what you did there i probably did every single night of my life for eight years like yeah, putting my and, knee on somebody's back and holding them down on the ground for a second while i got on the radio and then picking them up put them in cuffs and then driving them down writing a quick report and then getting back on the street and doing it all i might have done it on average two times a night 
honestly. Um, yeah. It's crazy to me that something that small blew up as big as it did. I, I mean, dude, I've put my yeah. foot on another man's face and stood on it while I gave commands to another guy. Yeah. So, I mean, I took, I took two hours to write that report, if that. Um, and I didn't have anybody that reviewed the report. I didn't have anybody that was going to sign off on it. Uh, I, at that time, I called the administration uh, the next day when I saw the video blow up on Facebook. And I called my chief and I was like, hey, is, is this a problem? And she responded with, if it was a problem, you wouldn't be working right now. Have a good night. Good job. Oh, yeah. And I was like, cool. Like, all right. Like, we're good. Um, that was like the use of force investigation that I had. Um, so I, I was working the next shift. That was a Friday. I worked the Saturday shift. And so, um, yeah, body cameras, if you don't have them, get them. Um, or do whatever you can to implement that. And if you can't, go to a department that does. If you know that you're an honorable officer acting honorably and, you know, serving this profession with the greatest intentions, that's what you should do um, to save everything. Um, the fact that I didn't pull the CAD uh, to save the 911 recording myself, that, that, that CAD no longer exists, right? That's so crazy. The, like, where did it go? The, well, CAD rolls every 90 days. Gotcha. Okay. Right. So yeah. some jurisdictions, it's 30. Like, I don't know how long like NYPD or LAPD stands, you know, but in, in the jurisdictions that I was serving in under the county, the county runs the, the CAD. Right. We don't have like big city departments out there, so they don't have the ability to save it themselves. Like Phoenix PD, they probably don't have like a regional area or I don't, I don't know. So um, that was my fault. So, but that CAD no longer exists. The only existing recording of that CAD is the redacted version where they pulled out that I had the shooter on the traffic stop and that the deputy had a uh, gunshot wound to the face. That no longer exists. So save everything yourself. And then um, uh, the final point is um, just know that one day you're going to be called and this is this is going to happen to anybody that works long enough on the road, right? If you're doing your job and you don't have only 12 use of force complaints in 22 years on the road, um, as somebody who testified did, um, you're going to be called to step forward in the line of danger. That's your job. Protect and serve. Know what you're going to have to do. Train to that capability and understand that capability. I've seen a lot of people on the road throughout my 10 years of police officer with whatever, with whatever jurisdiction I was working in that does not have the mental capacity, does not have the physical capabilities, and does not have the emotional characteristics to deal with a stressful situation like that. And they are going to end up in a situation way worse than I am. Well, what was the, the uh, what was the chick that shot the guy instead of tased him? She's at Kim Potter. Kim Potter. I'm mean, like, yeah, she hey, go. I mean, Kim Potter is a great human being, but fuck, dude, like she was not mentally and physically prepared to be dealing with a guy who was just simply trying to evade and run away in a vehicle. I think it was a stolen vehicle, wasn't it? No, he had warrants. Oh, he had warrants. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, you know. So I, I was fairly blessed with being this big, being this strong and being like this fast, right? Yeah. That's something that I have. One of my failures was my literary capacity, right? I didn't write a good enough report. 
document everything to the best of your abilities. If you're in a critical incident, you're going to forget stuff. That's going sure. to happen. For sure. But the harder, after like two years. Yeah. The harder you train and the harder that you, the more that you understand that this is going to happen to somebody sometime at some point in their career, right? If it's not you, it's your friend. And if it's not that friend, you're only seven people away from knowing Kevin Bacon. So you're going to find somebody <laughs> that's near you that's going to end up in a critical situation. And you could either learn from it which I'm hoping that people do from this situation, or you're going to end up learning the exact hard way. Um, so if, if you're not training, you need to be, and I train frequently still to this day, um, whether it's martial arts, whether it's weightlifting, whether it's running, which I don't do much of cause I'm quite large, um, whatever it needs to be, whatever your weakness is, exploit that to the best of your abilities because that's what the that's what you're going to run into on the street i'll oh, bet his damn. battery died i was wondering about i knew that. it i knew it listen I, if, I you, want to, that. if well, you want to if you want to hit up um the ag oh, here he is. if you want to hit up the ag dana nestle um that is mi for michigan ag um that's for what adjunct general uh, attorney general <laughs> i'm kidding attorney general m-i-a-g at michigan.gov m-i-a-g at michigan.gov you can email your thoughts to to old dana there if you want to call her i mean i don't want to i mean this is the this is the ag's office number if you want to leave a message on your thoughts there that's on the uh, that's on the screen but listen man if you want to support um you want to you want to support matt here listen i'm sure uh, I'm sure he would have no problems with you um, letting the AG know. Let him know that 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 this is uh, uh, that this is unacceptable, and that we can't just keep doing this to our police officers. It's, yeah, it's killing everybody. Also, I want to address somebody in the chat was upset about my foot on somebody's face. Listen, um, that case was a guy had broken another man's jaw, and uh, we had wrestled him to the ground, and he was actively hawking loogies on 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 my hand. Um, and then he was trying to turn his head. And so I said, fuck this. And I stood up and I put my foot on his cheek until we were able to get a split hit over his face because I wasn't about to have another loogie spat in my face. So I know that somebody was upset about saying that I put my foot on somebody's head, but that, that was the, uh, that was the reason why I did that. If you've ever well, had somebody's I, mucusy phlegm on you, it's absolutely I think that's, disgusting. I think that's why we're having this conversation, right? So, um, it was brought up uh, recently, like a 30 second clip can judge an entire person's life. Yeah. And when we talk about totality of circumstances, we want to hear everything. If you want to, if you want the true and complete totality of the circumstances, there should be no redactions. If you want right. the true and complete totality of the circumstances, there should be no editing of video. Um, and I don't care what people's political affiliations are. I have my own and I don't judge people. That's not my, that's not my characteristic. That's not where I am meant to be in life. I am not a judge. But when we talk about how 30 seconds can change somebody's life, like you have to understand like what the, what the full and complete story is when, when you, Kai, could you videos. imagine if there was like a 30 second video of me? with my foot barely on top of somebody's face. I mean, you would be fed to the wolves. I mean, there yeah. would be no coming back from that. Yeah. I Good mean, thing it was like 10 years ago, but it's, 
it's it's never gonna end and it's only getting worse um i cannot imagine being a a police officer right now not being able to do that stuff it's like now it's like if somebody's hawking a loogie you pretty much just got to take that one on the cheek well yeah and so just like real quick I'll, i'll explain a situation that i was stuck in i uh on my last tour i i was i was in charge of several individuals and um we were doing missions that required us to work completely and totally separated from our other forces and then also we were we were working hand in hand with the afghan national army and i took several gentlemen out gentlemen being officers and these officers failed to heed um, the warnings and the orders that I was giving as the senior enlisted guy leading that element. Um, but what I want to talk about is the clarity uh, and compassion that I had in a situation given to me by my platoon commander. So as we're conducting the mission, we're outside the wire. We're completely in Indian country, surrounded by probably 10,000 Afghans. And we had already received several attacks upon our persons and on our base from um what's known as green on blue situations essentially wolves in sheep's clothing and um so we enter into the situation and i know that the the individual that we're going to meet as an armed escort and we get into this room and um the gentleman that i was escorting into that room decided to take all their armor off take all their weapons and put them down and put them in the corner and then i was told to leave the room well thankfully nothing happened in that incident with me leaving the room However, that individual that told me to leave the room after the meeting was over, came outside, walked outside the wire. And again, we're, we're in Indian country, and he decided he wanted to walk back, not wear his helmet, and not carry his gun. And so I sent four individuals with him, and uh, I go scooting back to base. So I have a fire team out with him, and, um, and uh, I call back into friendly lines, and I was like, hey, we're minus five packs. I need to meet my platoon commander at the gate right now. And uh, my platoon commander was actually standing watch at that time. And he goes, why are you down five packs? Like, what the hell is going on? And I was like, sir, I'll meet you at the gate. Like, I'm going to explain everything, but that's out of my hands. And so I ended up 30 minutes later standing in front of a one-star general, three colonels, and two lieutenant colonels trying to explain a situation in which I failed to not essentially force him to do what I wanted him to do. However, I was in a situation where if I physically put my hands on this individual who was a captain at that time, I am going to face charges myself. And the moment of clarity that uh, he was able to give was in a very stressful situation because I have five guys that are out in Indian land with no backup, right? And uh, he was able to say, you did nothing wrong. You gave the orders and you did everything right. If there is any precedent to be set today, just know that I will always have your back. And I want to explain that on two, two fronts. One, you could have clarity in a moment of crisis. Two, if you do everything right and by the book, it doesn't matter what other people say about you. You know that you did what you could. But the last thing that I'm going to say, and this revolves around you, especially Tansy with what you just said about your, the guy's boot, uh, your boot on the guy's face is nobody knows what it's like to walk in somebody else's shoes, right? You could have the totality of the circumstances, but unless I insert you into a situation 
and you are driving a squad car or you are getting spit on or you are getting yelled at and I make you chase somebody down and then I tell you over the radio, hey, that guy just murdered somebody. Yeah. We have seen what happens when news anchors go into a shoot or no shoot situation. We've seen what happens when civilians are faced with a shoot or no shoot situation and they go out and they murder a ton of people. So to say that I'm similar to the, to the Derek Chauvin incident was probably the most aggravating thing out of this whole thing. Like I I've trained and I've sacrificed my entire adult life from the moment I was 17 years old, I've raised my hand six times to support and defend this constitution of these United States and local jurisdictions. And to have it ripped away from me is one thing. I'll get it back. I have no doubt about that. I, I will persevere. But when you degrade the service that I've done, that's, that's hawking a loogie onto me. Like I've done nothing but sacrifice blood, sweat and tears for this country. I've been wounded. I've, I've done things for this country that I will not talk about that nobody could understand. And to put somebody who's a civilian into this situation and then say like, we'll put them in a shoot or no shoot situation and I'll walk out in a red man suit and let's see who draws faster. Let's see what happens when I get into a red man suit and I tell you, Hey, I'm going to make you fight for your life for this 30 seconds. And see how long that 30 seconds is. Right. And that might last an eternity in your head as I have to pummel you during that entire time. And that's a reality of what could have happened. There was a bloody tire iron inside that center console. There was bloody tools in the back. And to say that I didn't really react what a what a normal officer would do. Well, that's kind of funny considering the guy who testified as to what a normal officer did. In his 22 years on the road, only had 12 use of force incidents total in his capacity. So he's getting into a use of force incident. Whatever yeah, it's, it it's be, always it's always those two years. It's always those pussies, though, right? Like those are always the ones, like with the whole January six ones. I mean, like they're, they're going to cherry pick who goes in front of the jury, and they're going to pick that one dude that's trying to climb the corporate ladder, the political police officer. Those are the ones that are going to testify against you. The ones that have never actually really done the job. I mean. 12 use of forces in 22 fucking years. That's insane. I mean, I, I probably had 12 uses of forces in two weeks um, on any given night shift, you know, it, 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 to, and then, you know, and of course that little, you know, I, you know, I, those are the guys, those are like the little kiss asses, right? Like those are the fucking brown nosers that are going to get up there and they're going to say brown nose shit because, they're going to say things to make that they don't care about you as an officer. They don't care about your rights. What his chance on that stand, I guarantee you, I don't even know this guy, but I can guarantee you I'm probably hitting the, the nail close to the head. Uh, they, the, everything that he said in his brain, he was saying it so that he could get promoted later. He was like, Oh, if I do really good. And I say, and I, and I, and I, you know, he was trying to win for himself, not for you or not for the good of the community, but for his own personal clout. You have to well, put an immense yeah. amount of effort into like actively not doing your job in order to get 12 only right? it wasn't even instant yeah. like he's only had like used force hands yeah. on used force in 12 years. actually 24 years to be honest but you have to put so much effort into avoiding even the smallest interactions yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that to me is like 
I mean, I can't say too much because I only wrote like eight DUIs in eight years. So I, I did I like average like one DUI a year and people were just like super shocked and appalled about that. Um, but that's because I'm a paperwork idiot and 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 I'm going to screw that up every time. So it's not that I got only got eight DUIs. It's that I gave them to everybody else. Like I passed that buck. Like I would call and be like, eh, I think I got a drunk. I can stop him if you want to do the rest, you know. But like 12 uses of force in 24 years. That's a lot of hiding behind churches. That's a lot of cowardly. That's a lot of driving extra slow with your lights and sirens on so that you can be last of the scene so that you can still be a part of the scene, but you don't have to be a part of the violence part of the whole thing. You know what I mean? That's well, and, like what yeah. portions of society want. <laughs> yeah. The, like, right. That's the thing is that that's the coward. Those are the cowards that always get promoted. And I love that. They're like, you know, um, the last chief of the Raleigh Police Department um, before the one that they have now, which is great. But the one before that, when she was like 25 years and, you know, she had this like stellar report and this other thing. And that's because she didn't do shit. She had five arrests, I think, since like 1995 or like less than 10 arrests. Like it was a running joke that this one has done nothing but dress up as gruff the drug dog and and do community policing for fucking 20 something years. Of course, of course, her her. Uh, you know, her history is stellar. Like, she never actually had to go be a real fucking cop. I believe it's well, Mick Gruff. What, what did I say? You said Gruff the crime dog. <laughs> I don't know, because that's how fucking far attached <laughs> I was from that bullshit. <laughs> you well, were bit by Gruff. Yeah. The and that's know? the thing is, is people will throw stones, but they won't, they won't look into the mirror themselves. And it, oh, no. it's always it's always super easy to judge somebody from the lack of information. And it it was actually I didn't actually conceive on how ill informed and lack of motivation people have to actually find out what's going on in a situation. Like we used to have like true reporting in this country, like Watergate. Journalism's you know? dead, dude. Journalism yeah. is so and, far now it's really dead because Tucker's gone, really. And um, and people are so quick to throw a stone. And like, I remember people call like comparing me to a murderer. Like I have a screenshot from Michigan.gov that compares me to Derek Chauvin and like Derek Chauvin, that's a whole different story. But like that, that was so aggravating. It's like, dude, I, I pulled off a, a one in a billion traffic stop and I, I, I didn't get a, like a hey or a high five or like a good job. I, I literally had a, one person from another command agency say, wow, that's really crazy. Like, yeah, dude, that's what you do when you do your fucking job, man. Like, do you feel like right. because like that was such a lottery moment in the opposite direction? Do you ever like, you ever like ask God like, yeah, you couldn't help me out with like a lotto ticket type, type luck. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like I, one in a trillion traffic stops. Like you couldn't do like one in a trillion lotto tickets for me. The lotto tickets didn't do his right. Yeah, it's it's his plan, my hands. I'm just the instrument. You know, and God, I, I truly believe that God doesn't give you anything more than what you can take, and he he chooses the the hardest, uh, you know, the strongest sword to to do his his wheeling. So his dealing. So um, you know, you must be a pretty tough motherfucker, um, to be called on to do this stuff. And Brooke, I, I mean, you're no chump either. You know, it's not like. God's not going to put him with a with a real queen. Where do you see yourself in the next five years with all this? I mean, you said you're going back to college. What's yeah, right now the plan is to probably get my master's. Um, maybe go down the social work route. I don't know. I'm still it's so hard to walk away from this profession, though. I know, I know. Um, that I'm still still on the fence. Um, yeah. I was in a hiring process when Matt and I um 
like after we had met and they kind of had an issue with the fact that I was supporting Matt. I went through the whole process. Um, I did the home visit, the poly, everything. Um, background investigator was like, yeah, you're basically in. My package hit the deputy chief or the chief's desk and um, essentially Matt's case was the issue. And I, I told them like, hey, I will not do any media release. I won't do any sort of publicity. Um, I had done it. The one interview I had done at that point was under a false name because I right. was in a hiring process. Yeah. And um, I they I ran into the background investigator actually at where I was working at the time. And he had informed me why I hadn't heard anything. Um, and then I did hear from him months, months down the line when they asked if I was still interested. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to walk away from this profession. So, I mean, you guys know you're still you're still doing something for the profession. So I don't, I'm kind of preaching to the choir. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's an important part of this, Brooke. Like, I, I get what you're saying. It's hard to walk away. But when when stuff like that happens, like you kind of look at it like, holy shit. I mean, I, I can't even sacrifice what I want to do without you people, you know, trying to besmirch Matthew or or bringing me down into this. I mean, I, I found newfound glory, so to speak, in walking away from the profession. Luckily, I had enough to retire, but walking away from the profession and advocating from the outside. I mean, th that might be the calling. Like, it's just, it's a little bit, um, it, it's not as exciting as pulling over the drunk that turned out to be a murderer. That's, the, the, you'll never get that rush anymore. But uh, I, I I take great pride in, in helping Matthew or getting the word out so other people will help Matthew or you or Christina Degas and Matthew or, or um, you know, Ben Darby and Keelan and sure. And all these other cases, like this is, we have an important role. All four of us, we have a very important role. We're not in the profession anymore so we can talk. And uh, I think it's just, I, I think the more, the more that Mistretta stories get out, the more the public I think is going to see. So I, I'm urging you, listen, we're all adults uh, I, I see in the chat, you know, like how everybody wants to contact Dana Nessel and everything. I, I, and I'm not speaking on behalf of Matt. I'm saying just me as a human. The dude was found not guilty. And he's got he's sitting in a truck right now. He's got right in front of him. He's got a eight to 12 inch rearview mirror where he can just live in the past and, and look in this rearview mirror the whole time. But he also has a 55 to 57 inch windshield in front of him. I think it would probably be in his best interest and in, in everybody else's to just keep looking forward because this dude has been knocked 50 pegs down about four different times. So if he's going to live in the past or it's going to keep coming back up, uh, it's going to be hard to get past it. So um, my support for you, Matthew, is whatever you want to do in your future endeavors, I'm going to I'm going to keep plugging that pipe hitters, uh, your, your specific page on pipeters until uh you know i i don't have any vocal cords left and i, I would urge anybody else to do the same like just it, it's it's for the good of the order it's for the good of society it's not just individual to matthew mistretta it's for it, it's it's it, let's let him be the inspiration to, uh, to know that he didn't say no your honor i'm not guilty he said i'm fucking innocent like i i did not do what you're saying i did and there is a huge difference, and there, and that is so rare in this, in this thing that we call Earth right now. For someone to actually have the balls to stand up and say, 
no, I'm not doing that. I'm not fucking caving to your, you know, I'm not pleading to something I didn't do. Like I'm innocent. So hats off to you, my brother. I'll, I'll help you any way I can. Um, if I can give you any advice, uh, just being out of law enforcement now for two years, man, if you're already at the bottom, dude, if you're already like used to being homeless and used to not having shit and used to getting your dick kicked in the dirt, start your own business. Do it now. Do it now before you don't have anything. Working for yourself, working for your own common goal is the most liberating thing. And yeah, it sucks at the beginning when you have absolutely no money or when you get, you know, four or $5,000 in and you know that you've got to take all 4,000 of that dollars and grow your business with it and, and eat ramen noodles with your family. It doesn't matter, man. It's the best ramen noodles you ever eat. And being that you've already been at the fucking bottom, that's not going to bother you. So if I have any advice, man, if there's something you're thinking about doing, if there's something that you're passionate about, uh, if there's something that you want to build from the ground up, man, now's the time to do it. And, uh, and, 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 you know, even if that's uh, serving others, you know, through doing a podcast, but I mean, I could find no better joy than waking up every single day and growing this podcast channel and growing my own, dist my, my distillery that I opened, but working for myself has, has just been absolutely. And then putting all that service into my children, you know, I have been very blessed. Um, my, and my wife and I, we now have almost five kids, but you know, a hundred percent of my efforts in my daily life go into uh, my children. And, and I, I'd rather be remembered as a great father than I would as a great businessman. I'll be a, a mediocre businessman, but I'll, I'll be put in my grave as, as somebody who raised five kids um, who are all fucking champs, you know, yeah. um, without any fucked up, um, you know, without a fucked up past, you know, so. I, I don't know, man. A good father probably wouldn't let his kids ambush him like you got ambushed last night. I mean, uh, yeah, that's it'll truth. never happen again, dude. Head on a swivel well, for sure. Drew, uh, one last thing is, Drew, you uh, you said giving back to the community, and it may not be in a uh, you know, class A uniform. There's uh, there's an individual that helped me tremendously uh, through this entire time, and uh, um, you should look up something called the Resiliency Project. Um, he came a little bit later into the case, um, but I can tell you right now, without his help and without the help of the Resiliency Project, um, I'd be a lot worse off. So um, the the foundation for that was there was a police officer working in Southern California. He ran into a series of incidents uh, that required him to um, leave the department uh, on his own fruition. And uh, he started the Resiliency Project because he was seeing this crisis that's happening right now across the entire first responder world and uh, Department of Defense world. So um, anybody who anybody who's thinking they're alone, just know you're not. Because when this happens, and if it happens to you, you're going to be pretty fucking alone. And yeah. uh, you're going you're gonna to have times that's... You're going to wonder, you're going to wonder if it's worth it in the end. And I can tell you right fucking now, it is. Stand your fucking ground, dig your fucking feet into the dirt, and chin up, chest out. Because it's, it's all worth fighting for, man. It's all worth fighting for, because at the end of the day, if you serve honorably, it's all worth it. And uh, the Resiliency Project will help you find a way to get through it. I promise you that one way or another, they'll make it happen.
You are not alone. Yep. <laughs> I am here for you. I can tell you it is it is a big ocean. I'm sure you felt like you were in, you uh you were probably floating in the middle of it with nothing around you but water, but you 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 are surrounded by by hope and and you're you are an inspiration to a lot of people here. The Re- resiliency project is on Instagram if you want to follow them. Uh they make these these videos that you just like you know, just like this story here, like when you, when you watch this thing, you're like, holy shit, like these people go, what, what we go through, um, or what we put ourselves through sometimes or whatever, uh, sometimes you just need that, that, that like hand on your shoulder to say, fuck man, you're, you're fine. You're, you're, I'm here. I'm right here. I'm right beside you. Uh, and that you're right. The resilient, that resiliency project is amazing. Uh, so look them up on Instagram as well. I got nothing else here. All right, guys. Hey, man, it's been a great episode. Um, Brooke, uh, we appreciate you guys. Matt, we appreciate you guys. Listen, if you guys want to come back onto our Patreon and do any kind of follow-up or just vent to our paid members, you're more than always welcome to come there. If you've got something that you you want to say off, kind of like off the record, we do have a, a Patreon where it's just members from our group that have paid to be part of that and get extra content um you know if you want to talk to the ladies brooke um you know that's something you can talk to and then you can promote it as well or um you know if you guys ever want to start your own podcast or anything like that you can always talk to us and we'll always be there for you or if you're ever promoting something if you've got a nonprofit or anything like that and you need promotion for that please call us text us don't ever hesitate we're always got you guys' back we love and support you guys man um i'm motivated um you know, and I'm so happy for your fresh look on this life, guys. Until next time, for myself, Drew Breezy, uh, Matthew Mistrada, Brooke Livingston, guns up and giddy up. <laughs>